This is the Loyal to the Game podcast, brought to you by 613U.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Loyal to the Game podcast. It's been a while, but we it doesn't mean we were giving up on it. <clears throat> Excuse me, as you can see quickly in the first uh, 10 seconds here, I'm coming back from COVID, so my voice is a little funny, but... Well, yeah, it's been a while since our last episode, but we've been keeping up with the league, keeping up with international basketball, local basketball alike, and we've got an awesome episode for you today. Uh, we're going to uh, hit the playoffs a little bit, talk Pistons with a very special guest, and uh, actually we're going to get right into that first, so I'll throw it right to Caleb to introduce our special guest. Yeah, it's, it's uh, our pleasure to be joined by a uh, one of our local players, one of our uh, 613 uh Superstars, I guess we'll uh, we'll call him for now until he proves me wrong. But he's uh, a big time performer on the court and also really knowledgeable, knowledgeable sports fan that I always uh, you know pick his brain about what's what's trending in, uh, in the sports world. So that is uh, Aaron Weinstein. And uh, Aaron, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for the kind words. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. All right, Aaron. Well. For uh, those that, that don't know you, and uh, you know, they probably assume you're you're a Raptors guy, but uh, you are you are a Pistons fan. So, can you tell our listeners where where that comes from, and uh, you know how how your loyalties uh, began for the Pistons? Yeah. Um, so, it's, I guess it started where I was born in the Detroit area, and as a kid, I grew up watching the Pistons and watching all the sports in Detroit. I watched the Tigers and the Lions as well. And then when I came to Canada, um, I just decided to stick with it. Even though the Pistons in my lifetime, like the last 10 years have not been the most successful team, but I've just decided to stick with it. And even though Toronto's had the successes the last five, 10 years, I'm sticking with Detroit. And I think we're in a good spot right now. Okay. So, is your dad a Pistons fan? Yeah, my dad is not the biggest basketball fan, but if he was to pick a team, I think he would pick the Pistons as well. He also likes Steph Curry and the Warriors, though. Okay, it's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're rocking the Lions hat, so yeah, you are you are true to home. When did you move to Canada? How old were you? I believe I was. 10 it was 2016 so yeah I think I was 10 so I've been here for a while I was in Detroit for a little longer than I've been here but yeah I've been here for a while does that mean uh once it once it evens out you're gonna switch to Toronto teams or what well that's coming pretty soon and I don't know both both teams are pretty good right now but I think I'm just gonna stay to with Detroit I've been through their struggles so (laughs) I can't switch over now it's true there's light at the end of the tunnel though that's for sure I mean you said it yourself future looks bright but I mean I think that's kind of where we should probably start if we're talking Pistons is I mean you got Cade you got super Sadiq Bay you got uh, Isaiah Stewart you got some young players to work with so how are you feeling about the future of the team um I think the future is very positive obviously I'm quite biased but I think that with good managing and and good coaching um, they can get into the plan very soon. Obviously, Kate Cunningham, even though he might not be the rookie of the year this year, I believe he was the best player that the Pistons could have picked because 
looking at the other rookies like Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley, both are very good players, but Detroit needed a leader. And I think Cade is a very good leader. He's shown that he's, he's playing like a veteran. He can really facilitate and run the floor for the Pistons. So I'm happy with that pick. And also Sadiq Bay coming to his second season really shoots the ball really well as always. And he's just a scorer. And if you need a bucket, you got to give it to him. And also the team is just, of course, the the Pistons are extremely young as well. So obviously they won't be able to hang on to everyone because we'll have to pay them a little more in the salary cap will eventually catch up to us. But I don't know. I think the team's in a pretty good spot right now with all the young guys they have. I mean, absolutely. I, I would definitely agree with that. And and speaking on Cade, I mean, obviously, uh, as, as a kind of Raptors-based podcast, we got to get into the, the Rookie of the Year battle a little bit here. But I, I had the chance to see Cade in person, and, man, he's incredible. And I, and, and like you said, like I don't necessarily think he's going to get Rookie of the Year, but I think he's the best player in the class for sure. Um, so what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, he's just, I don't know, something about him. It just makes it, he doesn't seem like a rookie. Yeah, he has times where he gets into foul trouble and he gets a, a turnover trouble, but he just can run the floor for the Pistons. And he'll, in the fourth quarter, if it's a close game, he'll just turn it on and, and score like 10 in a row. And it's, it's crazy that he can just flip the switch and just go like that. It's, He's just so talented, but yeah, like for the Raptors, I think Scotty Barnes, I think he should win rookie of the year. Who, like, who knows what they're going to vote for, but just recently, I, I, I think he just won the March, April player of the month. So I assume it should, it should go to him. He's been playing really well as well. No, I, I would well, agree with that. That's uh, you know, high school teammates, Kate and Scotty there, but I think mm-hmm. Kate may have some, bragging rights at least in the regular season matchups so Aaron what do you think makes the Pistons so difficult for the Raptors to defeat in the regular season well I'd like to say that there's just I think it's just Dwayne Casey I think Dwayne Casey has a little bit of uh, bad blood with the Raptors I don't I don't know for some reason they just the last two seasons they've swept Toronto um and obviously Toronto's a, a way better team. Toronto's in the playoffs and Detroit's at home, but I don't know if whenever they come to Toronto or Toronto comes to Detroit, they just decide to play like a, a NBA playoff team and they just come out and win. I don't, I don't understand it, but I'm not complaining. I mean, it's honestly hilarious at this point. Like as long as it doesn't affect the Raptors playoff standing, I kind of hope they keep losing to Detroit just for the, just for the comedy. But um I was thinking about it when I when I heard you're a Pistons fan. I just I was curious what you thought the highlight of the of the season was for the Pistons because if I can tell you mine really quick, it was uh, Mr. Isaiah Beef Stew uh, chasing down LeBron <laughs> through through all the coaches and stuff at the beginning of the year. I thought that was just hilarious. So w- w- what do you think it was the highlight of the year for for the Pistons? Uh, I think that that was a really crazy game. I, I was watching that and. Oh, he was he was so so mad. Um, I feel like because the Pistons, no, they didn't win that many games this year. But coming out of the All Star break, I believe they started like six and three, 
like they were looking really, really good coming out of the all-star break. They had a couple of good wins against Milwaukee or Utah. And that's kind of because Cade obviously started a bit slow just because of his injuries and he had to get adjusted to the NBA from the NCAA. But yeah, he just started to turn it on a lot more and had tough buckets over Rudy Gobert and, and Giannis. And I, I feel like coming out of the all-star break was the highest point of our season. And yeah, unfortunately didn't keep up, but you know what? It's it, those type of games and those type of um, runs just kind of give me hope that there is potential for this team. No, I, sorry, Kel, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just talking about the potential. I know, Aaron, you and I, uh, before we were on the pod, we were chatting a little bit about where you'd like to see the Pistons go this offseason. Um, so draft, free agency, maybe some moves. Um, what kind of pieces are you are you hoping for the Pistons to, uh, to add to the roster? Well, right now, uh, the Pistons have the third best odds for the, the draft lottery. Hopefully, they can stay in the top three. At least the, they'll be in the top five. But I, I really like Pablo Blanchero. I hope I'm saying his name right, from Duke. Or Jabari Smith. Because I feel like what Detroit needs is they have their their guards. They have Sadiq Bay that can also play guard. Um, they just, I think they need a, a forward to be a, one of the primary scorers with, along Sadiq Bay and have Kid Cunningham step back into his role, which is just to facilitate. And, um, and then for the free agency, Detroit has a lot of salaries coming off this year. Like this is the last year they're paying Blake Griffin, which is about time. That was, he's making so much off them. Uh, I believe they only have like 77 76 million dollars on their salary for next season so they have a lot of room for the free agency this year and i think they should try to sign somebody like they need veterans because a team full of young players they need guidance for someone who's been in the league for a while so yeah i'm interested to see where uh troy weaver the general manager goes this offseason yeah, I, I certainly, I think I really agree with your your take that they need like a dominant big um, to coincide with Cade and Sadiq and everyone like that. Um, but I, I was kind of curious, I already asked you uh, what the highlight of the season was, but what, what's been the highlight of the Detroit's like past like six, seven years? Because I was trying to think about that, like, is it the playoffs against Cleveland that one year? I know obviously it didn't turn out great, but like they got there and they, they showed, had a good showing. So like, what, what do you think was like the highlight of like the 2010, so to speak? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I I think that that 2019 season was a pretty like comparing to the rest of the seasons. It's it was a pretty good season for Detroit. The Blake Griffin had an incredible season, scoring I believe 27 points per game. Andre Drummond getting like 16 rebounds, 16 points a game. That team was uh, an interesting team to watch, and obviously they got swept by Milwaukee but I in the 2010s it I think they're in their last playoff games they they've lost 16 in a row uh which is a pretty sad statistic but I I think that was one of the best seasons and then when they played Cleveland in 2016 I mean they lost to the champs so 
yeah, losing to the champs certainly never ever a bad thing. Um, just quickly taking it off the, the the basketball path just for a second. Obviously, you got the Lions hat on. Uh, Rams coming off a big Super Bowl. Were you one of the with the Lions fans who was super happy to see Mr. Matt Stafford win a Super Bowl? I was, I was. I really like uh, Matthew Stafford. I feel like if, if for Lions fans, there should be no hate for him leaving. It was a, it wasn't the best situation for him here. And I'm happy that he went to a team that he wanted to be at, and he got his Super Bowl ring. That ring that's well deserved. He is a really good player for Detroit, and if the Lions could get him some more weapons, you know, Detroit, he could have helped Detroit become a really good team. But yeah, no, I'm really proud for him. I think that is well deserved. He's a really good player. Well, both Detroit franchises, or at least the two sports that you and I talk about the most there, Aaron, with the, the Lions and the, the Pistons, seem to have uh, some momentum going forward. I mean, Dan Campbell, uh, fiery guy, energetic. And I thought you may say uh, the highlight of the 2010s was for the Pistons was maybe signing Dwayne Casey. Fire lit under him after getting relieved from uh, his Raptors duties, and then quickly his assistant leading them to a championship. So uh, yeah, you got to be feeling better now than uh, than you were when uh, you came over to Canada, anyways. About your team, yeah, definitely. You know, I might you you can miss home. Yeah, future future's looking bright. I mean, we we talked about what you'd like to see in the draft, but I mean. What do you think the 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 Pistons ceiling is is gonna is gonna be next year? Like, do you think they'll they'll battle for a playing spot as these young guys develop, or what what, what do you think? I think that um, their their floor is obviously they they will they won't be worse than this season, of course. But the ceiling, I think that they could maybe get to around where the well the East this season was quite good. Like there was all the playing teams are on a regular year would be playoff teams, but I think they could get in for next year to maybe an 11 or 10 seed, maybe a nine and try to battle into the playoffs through the plan. But I think just getting to the plan would be a big step for Detroit. And if they can get there, that would be pretty good. And then obviously the year after, maybe they can get for a mid playoff seed and see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, little Caesars arena would be rocking. Of course. All right, Aaron. Well, I have. Uh, we'll we'll switch the direction from uh, the team that you root for to the team that that you're playing for. Um, let's talk a little bit about about your uh, your first couple of games with the uh, with the Belleville Spirits. So, yeah, how'd you feel uh, game one, game two, and uh, yeah, at the end of our our first weekend. Um, I, I, um, I feel like we, it was a interesting because with COVID, like we just had school sports back this season and it's been a while since we've really been able to compete like that. And obviously the spirits is a lot different than our school sports. So it was, it was really interesting for me to just kind of learn about what, what it's going to be like. It was a, it was a learning weekend um, trying to see what we could do and see how it's going to be. Um, you know, the results weren't, uh, we, we did lose, but the results weren't that positive. But I think that 
it was an important weekend nonetheless. And I think we obviously don't play this weekend because of Easter, but next weekend, I think that with um, the team going through that, I think that we'll get through a bit stronger. And just talking to some of the players, they we've uh, talked about some things that we need to focus on and like some things we need to think about. And I think that next weekend we'll have more success. Love the the optimism and uh, right there, right there with you. So, for I don't know how many times Jack's uh, seen you play or our, our listeners. How would you describe your game? Was there someone that you would say you, you model your your game after? Ooh, um, I think it, it gets tossed around a lot from you and some of the other players, but kind of like Nikola Jokic. Obviously, I'm not like very extremely tall like him i i'm i'm one of the taller players on the team but i i like to pass around the ball uh my like i try to get my guard skills to a decent level but also like him he's a beast in the paint he can he can score when he wants to so i like to attack the rim as well you certainly can't go wrong with the uh, future back-to-back reigning mvp so but i mean do you have him as a as your mvp then I mean, you, yeah, you must be. A, yeah, I was just say you must be a fan. So, so yeah, I got to get him. Uh, got to get Jokic for the MVP ballot there. Definitely. Yeah, I, go ahead, Aaron. Oh, sorry. I yeah, definitely. I think that um, Giannis and Joel have had very good seasons this year, but I think Nikola Jokic got it. He's just he can do everything, and he's just a really good player. And even though the Nuggets are less successful than the 76ers in the box I, I still think he has it yeah me, me too Caleb you were uh, gonna gonna ask something well you know Aaron's uh one of the one of the older players on our on our spirits team and uh you know he's he's a good leader he's always composed so I was gonna ask him uh you know what what the rest of his day looks like you know how he's gonna he's gonna work on his game or if he's gonna stay on and uh chat some more hoops uh, with us after the break um no i i'm to be honest i have nothing planned today i'll probably just if the weather stays nice i'll maybe go out and play basketball later but no today is just a relaxed day it's it's a holiday weekend we (laughs) do maybe do relax do a little bit of do a little bit of homework if i have to and that's pretty much it. All right, some uh, some self care. Come back refreshed. Uh, gonna have another another busy week. Aaron's in the gym probably four times a week. It feels like with our six one three and our spirits practices and our games. So yeah, uh, I I don't know, Jack. How do you think? How do you think he, he did for his uh, his first time on the low of the game pod? amazing i mean a podcast debut you're coming out like that unreal and a hostile environment as a pistons fan uh no you you killed it man thank you so much for coming on yeah i appreciate it thank you for having me all right with that oh my mistake caleb go ahead i was just gonna thank thank him and uh tell him to go make some free throws because i know it's somewhere our team struggled last last time so that's that's his homework brad some basketball homework it's uh Make those free throws. Yeah, well, I mean, Jokic would make them, so 
Thank you so much again, Aaron. Have a great rest of your weekend. Happy Easter and uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Yeah, you too, guys. Happy Easter. Enjoy. All right, we are back from the break, and we're going to move into the second part of the pod here where we tackle the NBA playoffs. Obviously, that's the the leading story in basketball right now, and we decided to keep baby Jokic around for the rest of the episode here as uh, Jaden is AWOL, so Aaron's going to join us to talk talk uh, talk playoffs. So to start here, uh, I know Caleb was super interested in this, uh, this topic, and I mean, what basketball fan isn't at this point, but which first-round series is the most intriguing and why in each conference Let's start with the Eastern Conference. I know, obviously, the one versus eight isn't set yet. It's going to be, uh, at the time of recording this, those games are going down tonight. Um, but all the other ones are set. So, Caleb, we'll start with you. What's your most um, intriguing first-round matchup in the East? And the Raptors, two teams uh, that I, you know, probably the, the two teams that I've cared about the most in my lifetime, uh, all in on the Raptors now. But just what a mess the Sixers seem to be. And I think... The Raptors are playing with house money. You know, we got all the way up to the five seed. And I, poor Embiid, you know, a wasted season. But it's his time to prove that he is a winner. Because I, personally, I, I've i always kind of labeled him a loser. And it, it's harsh, and I, I know he puts up the numbers. But the man in seven-game series, to me, is very questionable at best. And then you have Mr., you know, playoff choke artist. And it's even upsetting uh, my uh, my daughter Nora right now just just talking about James Harden in the playoffs. She's, she's crying. Well, I, th- I thought you were gonna say Doc Rivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I think we'll get to when your question later, Jack. We may get back to the Sixers, but uh, yeah, it's more about like this this dumpster fire. I, I think um, or like a, a car crash that you just can't look away from. That is the Sixers and. The Raptors, I mean, who doesn't love Scotty Barnes? We already have so many guys to love on that Raptors squad, and Scotty Barnes may be, you know, the most energetic, um, most marketable guy. I just that that smile, it's a I, I don't know, I, I'm blown away with Scotty Barnes. So that that series is is amazing. I'm looking forward to watching the first game with with uh, with all my my in-laws, my and my family. We're going up to the suit right now. I'm I'm very excited. So uh yeah, that, that got me energized just talking about it. What do you guys think of that series? Well, I mean, Scotty Barnes, pound for pound, most likable guy in the sport. So I agree with you there. Uh, I think that series is going to be amazing. Obviously biased because I'm big time Raptors fan, but I think I think that's the best matchup for the Raptors. Um, whether it's just entertainment wise for the series and winability wise, um, I think they'll they'll obviously try to do their best on Embiid. There's all, it's only so much you can do, but I think. The, if you try to make the rest of that team beat you, especially with Harden's lack of a first step right now, I think I think the Raptors are, are looking looking like they could pull off that five versus four upset. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a very good series. Toronto is is a very tough team to play. Uh, Philadelphia has had their uh, ups and downs over the season. Um, I besides that series, I think that. I'm going to do it, but Boston against Brooklyn will be, even though Brooklyn's the seventh seed, they've kind of pulled it together since Kyrie's not, has been able to play hundred uh, percent. He's been putting up big numbers and obviously the, the Celtics have been uh, very, uh, very, very strong the second half of the season. 
I think that'll be a good series. I, I think Boston still takes it, but I think with Katie and Kyrie, they're obviously going to put up a big fight. Boston and how many, though? That's the, that's the question. I'd say six or seven because yeah. just Katie is, has shown that he can, has, can succeed in the playoffs. Um, Kyrie is a tough player, but yet Boston is the two seed for a reason. So I'm going to say Celtics and seven. No, I, I like that pick as well. I, I, the thing with that series to me, it, 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 I, I'm torn. I'm honestly torn on who to pick. I, I want to pick the Celtics, and I think I think the Celtics should win. But I think the lack of Robert Williams is really, really huge for that team uh, defensively and even offensively as well. I mean, he, he doesn't spread the floor, obviously, but he's a lob threat, great rim roller. He's got decent high-low passing. Like, I don't know. I think without him, they might struggle to really, like, take advantage of Brooklyn's weaknesses, but at the same time, they should be able to do it on paper, um, especially with their defensive ability as well. Um, in terms of my, my favorite series from the first round in the East, it's a tough one, honestly. I, I feel like the two that you guys said are really the only two options here, um, just because I think Chicago's just going to get absolutely dog-walked by Milwaukee. Um, and then also, I just really don't have time for any Miami team, especially with the with the eight seed right now. So I think I think I'll go... Raptors Sixers obviously just because I'm a Raptors fan but I think it also is, is just the most intriguing and and going to be the closest I think as well um I think it goes seven I don't know I, I obviously I'm, I'm, t- I'm taking Raptors but I think it's going to be a, a great series um all so, around no you don't think maybe the Hawks can uh rekindle some of that magic from from last year's playoffs and like I mean they gotta they gotta beat the Cavs tonight but uh are you not worried at all? When would you like to see that too against against the culture? Well, I mean, I would love to see Atlanta beat Miami out of the playoffs. I would love that, but um, I don't think they can. To be honest, I think Trey's amazing, but I think Miami's too deep, too well coached. Their execution's too good, and I think it, especially without John Collins for Atlanta. I mean, Collins is a game time decision, I believe tonight. But if he's unavailable, then to me, there's there's just no chance. I think Atlanta could win one game, but I think Miami will unfortunately dispose of them fairly quickly. But I mean, what do you guys think about that one? Yeah. I mean, just because Trey Young is, is so unique and you never know what, how the refs are going to, you know, pull the whistle in the playoffs. It seems, you know, sometimes they uh, go a little star crazy. So um, I, I think that's like the dark horse to be an interesting series. I agree with you with the Milwaukee uh, just rolling through through the Bulls. Um, so that one, I think, is the only one that we didn't really talk about that may, may be interesting. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, what do you think? Do you think the Hawks have a chance? I think that they should win tonight for sure. Without Jared Allen, Cleveland has not been the same. Um, but I think they're a, they're a crafty team. I, I think Miami just has the depth to kind of handle them, but they definitely won't sweep them, that's for sure. I think uh, Miami in five or six is reasonable to say. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I think we're, I mean, we're also really writing off the Cavs here. So, I mean, don't sleep on, on Mr. Darius and the Cavs. But, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll switch over to the West here. Um, obviously. Well, Jack, I just had to, I had to bring up the Hawks for, you know, the guy that's not here that loves Ice Trey. Um, some call him Jaden Jones, but he's more like Zion for his ability to not show up uh, to games. <laughs> so, but is he throwing down uh, the 360 windmills and warm up though, or what? Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, 
Jaden, no, in, I think in the church league, he's, he's more of a fundamental kind of, you know, um, play off the ground, a little bit more grounded than, than, than Zion. But still, uh, logged a lot, probably a lot more minutes this year than, than Zion did, for sure. But, uh, yeah, we can, get, we can get to the West. I just want to give JR time for, you know, Oh, speak of the today. devil. Well, look at that. Look at look who just joined. I mean, he, he's in the building. No Jaden, Caleb just went at you, man. He said you were like Zion with your ability to not show up. I mean, we got do we got an instant response here from Jaden Jones or what? All right, you know what? I'm gonna take the L on this one. All right, listen, I have not slept in in uh, in weeks, so I I, <laughs> I I set my alarm and I'm like, you know, what? I'll be up, be ready for the boys, and then all of a sudden, you know. I don't know what happened. I just, I just shut it off. Uh, you know, that, that, that's my bad. That's my bad. I'll no, take the no, one. No worries. Right. No worries. Yeah. I mean, you deserve a nice sleep in. I mean, come on. I mean, it's a, Easter, <laughs> it's a holiday. I mean, you can, you can sleep in. I but, apologize. Uh, I apologize. No, no worries. All right. And so we talked about Aaron, myself and Caleb's big first round matchups in the East, but then we got uh, a special guest join us uh, right in the middle of there. Jaden Jones is now in the building. So, we got perfect timing for Jay. We can hop right into it. So, Jaden, what's your uh, most intriguing first-round matchup from the Eastern Conference? I mean, you can call me a homer, but I, I, I still got to go with the, the Raptors versus 76ers just because 76ers have an MV, two MVPs on their hand, like two potential MVPs, James Harden, Joel Embiid. And there's a chance that they can both be knocked out first round. You got the NBA's leading scorer in Joel Embiid, one of the most dominant big, force, big man forces in the game today. And um, leading the NBA in scoring, he's, he's leading them in many categories. But you also have James Harden, who, uh, as we all know, left Brooklyn, uh, left the big three and, and decided to go and try and win a chip with the, with the big man. So um, they could be knocked out first round by the lengthy athletic defense of the Toronto Raptors, who uh, have definitely been overachieving this, this season. They've been a five seed, which no one thought they were. Everyone thought this was a rebuild. So. I think that's definitely the most intriguing, and it would it wouldn't be a shock, but for for most Americans, it would definitely be a shock to see the NBA's uh, leading score out in the first round. Which I don't know how many times that's that's happened in history, but I can't I can't imagine it's very many. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Shaq for saying that the Raptors are going to get swept first round. I mean, come on, come on, Diesel, what are you doing? But and also shout out Aaron for having the one uh, one unique answer to this one and going uh, Celtics Nets. So with that, we'll move into the West here. I think the West has some more. Like, I, I think there could be more unique answers in the West um, for this one personally, but um, we'll start with Aaron. What's your most uh, intriguing Western Conference one? I think it's got to be uh, the Warriors against Denver Nuggets. Um, I think Steph Curry, um, with his injury, um, I think I'm not sure when he's going to come back. I think early in this series, but without Steph Curry, the Warriors will have a very tough time with the Denver Nuggets and the potential MVP, Nikola Jokic. Um, I think that if Golden State is healthy, they can handle Denver. But just with Jokic and his ability to score 40 or 50 and grab 15 rebounds just like that, I think it'll be a tough series for the Golden State. And I assume Draymond Green will have the job on watching Jokic, but that's definitely not an easy matchup for him. No, I, I, I like that pick a lot, actually. And I think you make a really good point that since I think Curry's questionable to return in like game one or two. So if, if Jokic and the Nuggets can steal one on the road in, in Oakland, I mean, that'll make it really interesting going 
uh, down down the line there. But uh, Caleb, what what about you? What's your what's your most desired uh, Western Western matchup? Yeah, I, I gotta agree with uh, with Aaron. You know, the I think there's actually a lot of pressure on on the Warriors, and once again, foreshadowing to what we're gonna talk about later with uh, you know one of your your questions there, Jack. But uh, you know, if, what do the Warriors do if they if they don't win? Um, this offseason is gonna be be telling uh, what, you know what direction they're they're gonna head as a as a franchise. So, yeah, I'm really intrigued, and Jokic is so fun to watch. I mean, true MVPs make everybody better, and I think he does that, at least in the big man battle, like comparing him to him. I think, I think Jokic is so much better at, at you know, taking advantage of, of his teammates and, and, you know, making them level up. So, yeah, I, I, a lot of offense, you know, not, not a lot of defense. Like, uh, Last year, I was all in on, on the uh, the Nets, and now I think that that series is super intriguing. Um, so I, I agree with the with the fourth member, uh, the fourth Jokic brother there. Well, I, I like that that matchup as well. If I, if I can step in and give my own, I it actually was hard for me to decide. I was gonna originally go Jazz Mavericks, but without without Luca for Game One and probably Game Two. I mean, I can't say that one's the most intriguing. I might, I'm going to go with uh, the two versus seven matchup. I'm going to go Memphis Grizzlies versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm really excited for this series. Both really physical teams. I mean, Memphis, I mean, led the league in like rebounds, steals, blocks, everything like that. And then like John Morant said, they want all the smoke. Um, and then Minnesota, I mean, they've got Beverly who brings the energy, but Cat didn't have a great play in game, but Cat's capable of, of playing really well, um, especially against slow bigs, which is uh, Memphis is too big in my opinion. Um, but I don't know. I just, I, I, I think Memphis will probably handle them in six or seven, but I think it's just going to be a, like a very competitive series where they battle down the stretch and it's physical and maybe it gets a little chippy. I just, I'm really excited for that one um, in the West for sure, given that, given the other matchups. Um, but finally, Jaden, what's your most intriguing first round matchup in the West? Yeah, I was going to pick the same thing, Minnesota versus uh, Memphis, just because um, we saw that playing game cap played awful, fouled out. It was just an an abysmal effort. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Patrick Beverly guard Jaw and really try and shut him down. Because to me, this is going to be the toughest matchup uh, one-on-one that Jaw has had in his career so far. You got playoff atmosphere basketball versus one of the best defenders in the NBA. So let's see if he can bring it. Let's see if he's really all about that. And Beverly's going to try and get in his head early. I mean, he's a he's a younger player. Beverly's a bit of a veteran. Um, so he's Beverly's going to be using all the tricks up his sleeve. Plus, um, I mean, you also have guys like D'Angelo Russell. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. You have all these um, secondary players that um, will definitely be able to, to provide some spark to the series. Uh, personally, I got the Timberwolves uh, moving on in that in that series. I think Memphis is out in, uh, in the first round. Wow. Oh, wow. Is that because Beverly injures Jaw in the first game, the second game? How long do you guys give it before, yeah, he pulls, pulls some borderline? Uh, no, no, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't think he's going to try anything dirty. I don't think he's going to try anything like too dirty. Like obviously there might be some questionable things, but 
Um, I just think that um, with everyone focused on that matchup, I think uh, Anthony Edwards and Cat are going to be able to flourish and are going to be able to put up some some big buckets for the Timberwolves because Anthony Edwards has been having a hell of a season. And that's someone that people don't talk about enough. Yeah, we talk about his dunks. We talk about um, his post-game pressers, but he can actually get buckets. Like He's, he's a hooper for real. Oh, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of Anthony Edwards. Um, even though he plays virtually no D, or at least he did in his rookie year, I'm a, I'm a big fan, and he played very well in that play-in game. Um, so I think, yeah, I agree with you that I think that will be the, the best series. But, I mean, the West is, is, is going to be interesting, especially if Luka can get healthy. I think that Jazz Mavericks series could go the distance. Um, but, I mean, overall, we're, we were pretty spoiled with first-round matchups this year. I don't really think there are too many duds, um, maybe outside of that eight versus one in the West. I think that one will probably be... <laughs> over pretty quickly but um with that we'll move into our next topic here it's kind of along the same lines but i mean admittedly it's a little bit more negative um but who who has the most to lose or could be the biggest disappointment of this offseason i think there's a couple teams who we can mention here um if they come out and, and roll over in the first round um or even teams that if, if they go deep but don't don't win the championship could be looked at as a big disappointment too so i think there's an interesting one to talk about so um caleb why don't we start with you uh, who do you think has the most to lose heading into this first round or heading into the postseason? Well, it's got to be the Sixers. Um, just, you know, you, you make the hardened deal. You were all right. Like, you were doing fine before you made that move. Like, you do that move to win a championship. And Harden played, like, three good games, and he looked fresh. And now his health is a major concern. You're, you know, Big men don't necessarily stay healthy uh, that often. And we talked about this last last playoff. And once again, Nora's upset about it in the background. She's already worried about Joel and B-Town. So. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Caleb, but I think you're uh, going through some uh, technical difficulties there on the way to the Sioux. So I, I did hear your answer, though. Sixers got the most to lose because they've got the, the Embiid and, and Harden. Um, Aaron, what about you? Who do you think has the most to lose entering the first round? Uh, I think this, uh, the Sixers are a good pick. I think just because of how good they've been this year, I'm going to go with Phoenix, even though I think that the, they're capable of coming back to this position in, in uh, future years. I think that just based off how good they were in the regular season, um, even with Chris Paul battling injuries and they have Devin Booker who – is an MVP candidate. Obviously, he's not one of the top MVP candidates, but he's had a very, very strong season. I think that the Suns should make it out of the West, and if they don't, I'll be a bit disappointed. I think that's a great pick, actually, because you, you don't think about the top teams as, as possible disappointments just because, uh, like, I mean, obviously, they're the top teams and everything like that, but I think the way they're going, if, if they don't, if they aren't able to replicate the success they had last year, and as Chris Paul ages and he missed more games this year, and he's going to be being paid 40 million when he's 40 it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if the Suns can because we see this trend a lot we see teams get the first first place uh, seed in in their conference for a couple seasons in a row and, and their regular season team so to speak and then they finally break through so I'm really really interested to see if the Suns are able to do that um, Jaden what about you who do you think has the most to lose entering the play, uh, entering the playoffs um depending on when Ben Simmons comes back to, I think it's the Nets I mean, they have so much talent on that squad. They're they're loaded with with talent. They got KD, they got Kyrie, they got Seth Curry, they have Ben Simmons, they have um, uh, Mark Saldridge, Blake Griffin, all these guys, all these veterans that ha were put together for a reason. 
I think that um, I think that if they don't perform versus the Celtics, and it's going to be tough. I mean, Celtics on their is on their home floor for the first two games, and we we all know that that Boston crowd they can be ruthless, they can be savages. So um, if they don't come out to a hot start, like KD needs to be firing on all cylinders. He needs to he needs to be pretty much dropping forty to fifty every game for them to have a chance. And we we saw that because of the playing game, they were playing the Cavs and. Um, they just barely beat the Cavs and, and Kyrie and Katie both had to go off. So uh, I expect that if they don't win, if they don't go to the Eastern Conference Finals this, this season, maybe even the NBA Finals, then it's, it's definitely going to be a bust for them. Another solid pick there. Nets certainly have a lot to lose. Um, and then a very polarizing team as well with uh, the egos they have there. Um, my pick for this one is the Utah Jazz. I think Utah, they've been, like I just mentioned, they've been at the top of the West for a few uh, few years now kind of regular season team who can't really get it done in the playoffs. Um, but I think if they have a bad playoff performance, I think a number of things could happen. I think Quinn Snyder is gone as the coach. Um, there's, they've already talked about him to LA somehow, even though he's under contract. But um, And then also I think Gobert is not a member of the Utah Jazz uh, anymore if they lose early. I think Mitchell is not going to be a member of the Utah Jazz if they lose early. I think they were going to blow it up because, I mean, we've seen Mitchell. He's He's been a little bit distressed lately. Um, his relationship with Gobert rumor says is not very good. Um, and so I think this team's been, been to the top enough times in, like in, in a short period of time that if they aren't able to get it done against Dallas or even make the Western conference finals, I think we're going to see a lot of roster change over, over, over in Salt Lake city. So I, I think they're probably my team that I think has the most to lose. Hey, hey, Don, Don, Donovan's pissed that uh, Whiteside's not getting the minutes that Gobert is. <laughs> oh, Honestly, I wouldn't hold it past Donovan at that point. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think I, I was listening to a, a Bill Simmons pod, and they said they think Mitchell is the is the name that people aren't realizing um, who won't be on on the same team next year. And so I think I think that's going to be very true if they aren't, especially if they lose to Dallas without Luca for like half that series. I think there's just honestly no chance they bring bring that roster back. Um, so th- th- that's probably my, my team with the most to lose here entering the playoffs. Um, but that gets us into our final uh, mini segment here of the pod. Uh, um, we're going to talk injuries. Obviously, we've mentioned Luca a number of times here. We've even mentioned Ben Simmons and Steph Curry, but they're all um, not probable to play in uh, games, games one and two. So who do you, which of the Luca, Ben Simmons, and Curry do you think will make the most impact being out and then also most impact if they come back? Jaden, what do you think? Uh, I think the Luke, Luca for sure. Because I, guess, remember, I guess that's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just because, oh, uh, well, I guess like Steph too, but I mean, Luca's like the, the pinnacle of that team with, with the Warriors, you, you still have clay, you still have Jordan Poole. You have, you still have all these other guys that are, that are great players, but the Mavericks, Luca's the go-to guy. And plus with the first two games at home, like, you know, and we all know how much a home crowd can, can change momentum, can, can give you that extra boost. The Mavericks play the first two games at home. Luca's not expected back until probably game three. That's just on the safe side. Let's just say game three. So he's starting out on the road. I, I think the jazz could steal two, uh, the first two games, uh, in, uh, in Dallas. I think that's a that's a huge possibility, especially without Luca. Now, don't get me wrong; they still have some other like really, really solid players. But I mean, playoffs playoff basketball is a whole different game. It's it's half court. It's it's high intensity. Every possession counts. So um, I think that Luca Luca's injury is definitely the, the most important one in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I agree. After asking, I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, if you look at the rosters, it's definitely definitely Luca um, is missed the most. But I think Aaron, between Curry and Simmons, uh, who who do you think there? And then like, if if one of them came back, who do you think would make the make the biggest impact? I think it's got to be Steph Curry because Ben Simmons coming back, he's been out for a while. I'm not sure if his impact will be too large because obviously they need a little bit to get back into the NBA level of basketball. Uh, but I think without Steph Curry, the Warriors um, will, as I said before, they'll really struggle against Denver. And they need him to come back as soon as possible. Obviously, you don't want to rush him and uh, get him to re-injure himself. But, yeah, Steph Curry, a tremendous player. He's had his injuries this year, and when he's been out, they have had some struggles. Yeah. I, well, I would even say, like, um, but, like, for, for the first-round matchups, I, I would say that it'd be more important for Simmons to come back because right now I don't think the Nets have anyone – um, solid that could guard Marcus Smart. And I think that size-wise, I think Ben Simmons would match up really well with with uh, Smart and, and really try and shut him down. But that's just that's just my opinion, just matchups in, in the first round. I think that the Warriors can throw any guard at the Nuggets because they are a, a, um, a forward-heavy team. Um, and I think they'd be okay. That's a good point about being a forward-heavy team. I, it's hard for me to pick outside of Luka just because he means so much to that team. But I'm I'm really curious to see what Simmons will, will his role will look like if he comes back because I'm I would assume he'll be on a minutes restriction. Um, I'll, I'll assume like he won't be able to really be himself just yet. But at the same time, it's like if he comes back in the middle of that series, like is he going to slot right in and start? Is he going to come off the bench? It's going to be really interesting to see. But I, I like both of your points about each of them. I think it's hard to say one it matters more than the other because it's three three different teams with Luca Simmons and, and Curry, of course, but. He would need to be a role player, wouldn't he? Like Ben Simmons yeah. coming off the bench. Like I think, he, like, yeah, because you, you can't you can't mess up that chemistry that they already have. Like especially that deep into playoffs, like that's the, the that's the fourth game in the first round. And he's like, been out so long. Up, like you literally have to play like a PJ Tucker. You have to be like the the ultimate role player when you come back in. You got to be like, all right, KD Kyrie, I'm giving the ball to you guys. I'll pass and rebound. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to come off the bench. I'll pass and rebound because I don't want to mess up any good thing that you guys have. Because right now, Katie and Kyrie are playing out of their minds, and that's two guys I do not want to guard in the playoffs. No, I of course I I, I agree. That's a great point. I, I, yeah, if he comes back, he'll have to be a role player, and it, and it suits that roster really well if he if he is a role player as well. Um, and just just before we wrap up here, uh, an update on on Caleb. He he went through. Uh, he got a little too far north on the way to the Sioux, and his uh, his connection is. Uh, pretty shoddy so we're gonna lose him for the rest of the pod but we're almost done here i just want to go on a small rant because it hurts my friggin' brain to understand this how did luca get hurt man how literally how in the last game of the season it's a completely meaningless game their their seating isn't changing if they win or lose and luca is playing like in, in the last game of the year and he gets this calf strain he's gonna miss maybe the entire first round i mean that the, the butterfly effect going on here with this is just is is awful especially because in the second last game of the year he gets his 16th technical meaning he would have been suspended for the final game of the year when he eventually got hurt and the league goes back and, and appeals it and decides no we're going to take away that 16th tech it, it wasn't deserved and then he ends up playing in the last game of the year and getting hurt so that, that just is like oh my goodness what are the odds of that it's so brutal to see hey, at the end of the year let me uh i, I was thinking about this the other day and bounce it off you 
Luka Doncic still still young in his career, still going to be a young superstar. But he does have anger issues. <laughs> all yeah. right, he's racking up all these technicals, and and he kind of reminds me of someone. And obviously, the uh, the type of play does is not similar whatsoever. But is he like a young Boogie Cousins? He's getting all these technicals. He's a young star. He's, yeah, he's told to be the next big thing in the NBA, and then obviously injuries derail him, and um, and now he's kind of struggling. But that's kind of. I, I kind of was like making the connection when because when I saw 16 technical, I'm like, God damn, that's a that's a, that's a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, no, thinking back, who was the last person like that would actually be like getting all these technicals? And obviously, think back to Sheed and 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 all those boys in in the early 2000s. But um, yeah, I, I was thinking like, could you compare him to a Boogie Cousins when Boogie Cousins was young and he was killing the league and um and obviously now injuries and stuff like that, but. Um, I obviously hope that doesn't happen to him, but right now it, it kind of looks like that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, what do you think about that 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 comparison? I think it's uh, it's pretty accurate. Um, hope I don't. Obviously, their play style is uh, quite different, but yeah, De, Demarcus Cousins from uh, back when he was on Sacramento and even on New Orleans, he uh, he got a lot of technicals, and it you know what it it costs the team. Um, if you're going to be that type of superstar, um, you got to try to be out there as much as you can and getting silly technicals like that is, it, it's not smart. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the, one of the biggest Luca fanboys you'll meet, but I agree hundred percent with the fact that he needs to just shut his mouth sometimes and, and especially, not, especially when they don't have a number two scoring option. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you're, li- you're the guy you're, that's it. You're the, you're the guy you can't, you can't be getting kicked out of the game um, and, and leaving your team hung out to dry. And plus, he said so many times already in, in the in his short career that he's gonna he's gonna stop he's gonna stop talking to the refs he's gonna start just playing and he and he has he's failed to do that so far so I think I think that comparison with Cousins is, is a good one in terms of the text I think Luca's way of going about it is not as uh like anger filled as as Cousins so to speak it's more like a like a oh like why are you giving me that foul like a, a yeah. European like soccer complaining uh so to speak not to generalize but I, it's it's a good comparison for sure and just. Finally, I saw a stat earlier this week that it's a, it's a record that will never be broken. Speaking of technicals, uh, Rashid Wallace, 42 technicals in a single season. It's the all-time record. That is never going to be broken. I think Wilt's 100 points gets broken before that, to be, to be quite frank. But with that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, thank you so much to Aaron again for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. KB Jokic, I'm so happy to meet you, and I can't wait to see you play more in the future. So thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. Thank you for having me. And then th- again, thanks to Caleb and Jaden as always. I mean, Jaden, you got you, you're part time, part time today, but I mean, you you brought hey, it. Hey, you so brought was, it. So, so was Caleb. I got, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Part time as I was. Well, tr- that's why we had to get on the uh, get the fresh legs in there and uh, cover for us vets. You know, Jay, I started us off in the first. You know, I think I think Aaron carried us through the through the second and the third. Hey, and it's okay, uh, I get it, man. You're not a fourth quarter guy. I understand. Yo, no. Say less. Say less. I got you. No. This is this is my <laughs> flu game. This is my flu game, boys. So uh, I'm here. I'm here. But again, thanks to Aaron. Thanks to Jaden and Caleb, as always, for for being a part of the pod. This has been the Loyal to the Game podcast, episode 13, first one in a while. But we'll be back throughout the playoffs for sure. So take it easy, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great Easter weekend. <laughs>